Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Alright, welcome back everybody uh, to Podside Picnic. Uh, today, uh, you're, it's me, Carlo. Uh, I'm flying solo today. Apparently Pete, uh, my co-host Pete, said he had to investigate something about some cornfields in Nebraska. Something about some children that he needed to help out. I, I hope I hear back from him soon. It's, I'm very worried over the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but in any case, I'm joined here by Aaron Roberts. Hi, Aaron. Hi. And uh, you've had stuff show up like in a bunch of places, right? Like Podcastle, Clark's World, yeah. uh, The Dark. Yes, love The Dark. Okay. And uh, also you have worked on game writing, which is more or less what I'm interested in talking about. Uh, I hope you're interested in talking about it too. I am. I'm excited. All right. So, um, why don't we um, why don't you talk a little bit about how uh, or, or what uh, you have done so far? Or actually, you know what we we first met. I think it was like in one of the DC writing groups get-togethers, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. I now I remember. Yeah, we did. I was trying. I was honestly, I was trying to. I place thought it was that. maybe was like, a convention. I was like, it was something. <laughs> Feels yeah, like I, I've known you forever, so it's hard well, to place. We, I think we had chatted, or we had, um, like maybe been on Codex, the the writers forum, for a bit, and then that popped up, and then we met, uh, you know, face to face with a bunch of other writers and talked about. Uh, what was it? We were talking about a bunch of stuff like Star Trek and all sorts of different things. Love Star Trek. So that sounds like something I would be talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is the one thing that I, I have to admit, uh, uh -oh. I, we had, we had Karen Osborne on for uh, like to, to record with us a while back. And, uh, I forgot to ask her like, Hey, what's, what Star Trek episodes would you recommend are must sees? And I forgot to ask her about that, but, uh, because I have, since I came in late and my parents were never really uh, science fiction fans in like very, very fanish in this, in that sense. Like I have weird windows. I'll tell you this. I have weird windows where like, for instance, my mom, my, I believe my first, um, no, I'm sorry. I believe my first sci-fi sci-fantasy movie was actually Star Wars that my uncle took me to see at like some theater way back when, when it was coming out. And, um, and not long after that, the other movie that I saw when I was all of maybe seven or eight was alien in the theaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was, that was a little traumatic. I've actually, I, I gotta make my own confession. I've actually never seen alien. Really? But I oh, hear wow. it's scary. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I don't it's, like, scary so i like to write dark things but i'm actually like terrified of scary movies so I interesting 
I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, because I, I, I can totally understand, like, there are certain folks that I've known that write, but do not like scary stuff and do not like writing scary stuff. But this is, a, this is a new one I've heard. So what do you, do you know, is it just simply like you get tense, too tense and you can't watch scary movies? Does it just give you nightmares later on? Yeah, I think it doesn't give me nightmares later on. So something, uh, you know, fun fact about me um, is that I can't visualize things. I have something called aphantasia. So I have the inability to like make pictures in my mind and which is interesting as a writer, but there are several writers who have this actually Mm -hmm. that I've met. Because of that, visual imagery is very powerful to me because it's the only time I like encounter it. Like I, when okay. I read a book, I don't picture it. So when I see a movie, it's very, it grips me. And so I'm much more easily wrapped up in the emotion and the suspense hmm. of it. I, I get like nervous, like in comedies when people like are going to embarrass themselves in front of stage. <laughs> I get, I like, I'll like look at the spoiler, like, oh, it'll turn out okay in the end. So an actual suspenseful movie is like two, six bridges so, too far for me. I gotcha. Okay. So it's like a lot of uh, information overload, so to speak. Yeah. Or just like, I can't picture it myself. So it's just very affecting when it happens. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, so in any case, um, so did you want to talk a little bit about uh, your writing what what you've have you've had out i mean i've i was mentioned i was just like thinking about it earlier that uh, i think i've read i i listened to wolfie things on podcastle oh thank you yeah that that was great i loved the honestly their narration for that was really good too which helps yes Um, they do a great job of like finding the perfect narrator to kind of match the actual story which is not easily done all the time Right. And, and so the, the entire thing was like very enjoyable to listen to as well as sort of like a gripping story. And then, um, Sour Milk Girls, I read too. And I remember we, we, uh, you, I read an earlier version of uh, snake season. Oh yeah. Yeah. And all of these, I, I, I was just thinking back on it and I was like thinking, so I guess, I don't know if you've noticed this or it's something that you're doing consciously, but there's always like this sort of imbalance of information happening. Uh, and sometimes the reader's in on it and sometimes it's only sort of left in the subtext of the, of the conversation that's being had. Um, like Wolfie things is great for that because it wasn't about like a quarter of the way through that I started sort of piecing together, like why, the main characters having this conversation and, and sort of like a, you're like, Oh, this is a, this is a father son moment and it's not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not going to end well. I feel like is a common theme as well in my writing. I mean, sometimes it ends. Okay. I guess depends on who you're asking. There's an interesting, uh, this is not what you're asking, but just came to mind. Somebody was asking on Twitter or Facebook or one of those things what makes a happy story? Like what, what do you, you know, someone was like, write me a happy story. What they were like, what does that mean? And it got Mm -hmm. me thinking that there's happiness in the eyes of the character and then happiness in the eyes of the audience. So like, if you write a story, for example, about a serial killer making their final kill, Mm -hmm. like they could be like, I did it. I murdered that lady and they'll be happy, but the reader (laughs) won't be happy because objectively (laughs) 
that's a bad thing to do. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, so, so I think I, it's super fun to like play with like, what does the character want? And then what do you as the reader think they should probably want? Right. You know, that's right. so much fun. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I, I feel, I feel that so hard because basically like I, I've, I've said it before, uh, but I like, for whatever reason, I just like taking ideas and trolling reader expectations. <laughs> nice. And and like for instance, like the 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 one that came out in in Benicia's the Skies uh, this year was a great happy ending for the character. Yeah. He meets up with his brother, and he feels complete. He feels fulfilled in the end. What oh, does that mean to the re- <laughs> Yes, I was like, that's a story. I think I, speaking of people who've read an earlier version, I think I read an earlier version of that story. Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. I had, I had to, I had to edit it a little bit in the middle, but the ending, once I, I found it, I was like, yeah, that, that's got to stay, man. Nice. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, like honestly, I, I was like, he, he got what he wanted. Isn't that what a protagonist needs? <laughs> exactly. As long as they're happy. You too should be happy with the destruction they have wrought <laughs> upon the world, which yeah. I love a character who ends the story by like wreaking dis- destruction on the world, or at least a lot of the stories that I have out there have a, a tinge of that, whether it's personal or more global. Yeah, right, right. I mean, and and to be fair, like I think that there was a there was a great piece. Uh, I forget where it was. Uh, this. Um, this guy called Sean K. Phillips, I think is his name, hmm. who uh, does like uh, an, uh, like an analysis of film and stuff like that. Who's talking about like um, transcendental horror, Ooh. which then he used like, for instance, like Midsommar and, um, and I think he even used Hereditary as two examples of they got what they want. They, you know, they, they especially Midsommar. Did you ever see it? Well, no. I'm going to guess no. <laughs> Anyway, sounds great. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, you know, by all objective purposes, it's what we're talking about. It's it's a horrible outcome from the outside. You're like, oh, God, why would anybody want that? But the character is very fulfilled. Like, they got what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, and that wanted- kind of that kind of, like, juxtaposition is also a really fun way. You're talking about the idea of, like, uh, information – you said it really nicely, like, information disparity or unreliable narration – Mm -hmm. Uh, depending on how you put it. But what I love about that is when you're trying to indicate that to the audience, one way to play with that is to show the big difference between the characters, the way they're seeing things and the way your average person would see things is how you can kind of hint to the person reading that maybe something's off in the way that they see the world and like changes the reader's perspective on the character themselves, which is really, really fun. Right. I mean, I I believe that, you were mentioning that in your story notes for snake season where you needed to have sort of a character that would show, Oh yeah, you shouldn't really trust what, you know, the the lady who's the protagonist in the story really sees. Exactly. Because otherwise it can be confusing. You don't want people to, I mean, you can, if it's a twist, maybe you want people to be like, I'm shocked, but I like twists that you can, or, or changes in perspective that are within the text the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus ones where like a sudden piece of information reveals it. Um, so, oh, so you don't subscribe to like in season eight of a very very big <laughs> show, just deciding that you read the forums and all the 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 chatter from the fans, and you decided, nah, we're not going to do that. 
yeah, I feel like in shows like that, which one could you be talking about? Hmm. Uh, one that's it, almost been forgotten. I can barely remember the name. Yeah, but I feel like when I see things like that, what I think is not like that was a bad twist, but more, oh, how could you have layered that in better? So right. that it feels like that old, you know, thing that they say in writing workshops all the time, surprising but inevitable, mm-hmm. uh, right. which is different than slimy yet satisfying as a <laughs> construct, just throwing it out there in case people are confused. What is, <laughs> what is a tagline from? <laughs> I think that's I'm from afraid like a- to ask. Disney movie. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, I mean the like to be honest with you, like people like to to bag on uh, M Night Shyamalan uh, a lot, but Me. I do. Well, okay, that's but fine. But defend him. Defend his honor. No, no. I mean, I, I, I honestly still think that like something like The Sixth Sense is really good. I mean, it's like I remember rewatching that several times and like. Just because you knew what the twist was, you could look at the how he was building up to it. It wasn't like just out of the blue. And I feel like there's a, a, a there's a few shows that I've seen rather recently that don't know how to do that, or they're trying to like I like I was joking about. It seems like they're busy like like going on Reddit and finding out what the the fan theories are and trying to like, no, that's not it. Ha ha. We're going to, we're going to change it because you said that. And it doesn't feel organic. Like the, the twist doesn't feel like it's been telegraphed enough. Yeah. I think it's hard too. like working in, working in a medium where you can actually get feedback on what you're doing from the fans can I think it can like influence you a little, you know, you don't want it to influence you, but I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, wow, if everybody figured it out, is it even good? Is it even worthwhile? Um, And you pay more attention to the reader impact than I think to the storytelling process. Not that I know what they do, but I, it makes me think about one of the things I do in my tapestry of writing stuff is I do some script writing for zombies run, which is this, running app where you're running away from zombies and there's like a whole arc to it. It has seasons like, you know, so in one season you might be figuring out who got the zombie virus started and there are all these missions and they all have to involve running, which is very interesting from a writing perspective. Like you can't have a like in-depth conversation in a closet. You gotta be running somewhere for some reason (laughs) while you're talking about advancing the plot and making the characters feel real, but they have message boards and you can read what people think about your work after, you know, the season is over and they're, they're actually listening to it. And it can be like, or people will guess like the next season will have this and this and this. And occasionally somebody has like a really great idea and you're like, Oh, wow, maybe, maybe we should do that. You know, when we meet in our writer's room, maybe we should incorporate that. But I think what helps uh, in Zombies Run is that Naomi Alderman, who's the kind of creator and shepherd of the series, has a really strong creative vision for it. And so she's never going to let it go completely off the rails just because somebody had an idea on the forums. Right, right. Okay. Well, I mean, th- that's always important because it's, you know, like if you have a, like the editorial hand is steady, then that that does help, you know. Yeah. But um, so- so let me ask you this. Um, how do you like what what exactly uh, do you do to like do an arc in because obviously like I, I've I've played with zombies run and not in a long time, but um, 
but it's mainly like somebody at the radio and you have your headset on and uh, is it still the town of Abel or whatever? Yeah. The Abel is like the main town in the UK, which has been yeah. fun. I've learned a lot about UK slang. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, generally speaking, it's like someone in the control booth and maybe somebody uh, like co co hosting or whatever exactly it is. Um, and, and generally speaking, you know, it's them sort of having some banter with you and obviously you being the listener can't really input. So how do you, how do you manage it? What, what, what do you try to do to sort of get that engagement? So it's interesting. The, the, the overarching process is that we all actually, well, not this year, but usually we all meet in a room, uh, all of the writers, um, for a week, like once or twice a year. And we'll say, okay, what are we doing this upcoming season? And then we'll have like like the overarching plot. So it's like, okay, this is in this season, we want it to basically be X, you know, they're going to a good example, figure out who started the zombie virus in the first place. Like that's going to be the main discovery arc. And then we'll sit and say, okay, well, now let's also look at characters. Where is each character at the end of last season? And like, where do we want them to go? Like, this character, I'm literally making it up because I'm not going to spoil anything. But like, you know, <laughs> let's say like this character lost their dog. This is not a real thing. At the end of last season, like, oh, they must find their dog again. And maybe, you know, they're a curmudgeon. But through taking care of the dog, they realize that they like people. I don't know, whatever. So that has to happen as well. And so then we'll actually sit there and kind of write out like all the different episodes and say, well, here are all the plot points we have to hit. And like, here are all the character notes we have to hit. And then, I don't know, we like... <laughs> magic happens and then we'll have like a general outline of the season and then all the scripts get doled out to us and we write them individually and then we come back together to make sure that they kind of make sense cohesively and our powers that be like make sure that things flow from one to the other but in an individual episode you're right what has to happen is like you still have to be running from place to place so it's really all about um like really tiny character moments and how in a few words, like almost like a flash fiction, like you can get across a sense of danger, escalating stakes, what's happening, like, you know, why does this particular run matter? And it's really fun because I think a lot of times it's easier to, not easier, but it's exciting to create within certain limitations because you can do more, you know, you have to think really creatively. Okay, I want to have two characters that are not my main runner character like fall in love. How are we going to do that? Like, why would they be having a romantic conversation while on the run? Oh, okay. Mm. It's because who knows? They go by a place that reminds them of their first love and therefore they're talking about it. So it's really fun. Oh, that's so in, in this case, um, I guess that you have to, and, and I guess that I'm sorry, I, I, I sort of tripped over my own question here. No worries. Um, <laughs> so are you saying that sort of each individual like episode is more or less like a flash, uh, like a flash fiction piece? How how long is it like in words? Oh, I don't even know. Uh, Cause it's written sure. cause it's script. So it's like a weird, you know, it's all written in script uh, format, like in final draft. So uh, I would have to, I don't know. I actually, well, I, I think that they, they measure scripts by pages anyway. So it yeah, doesn't really matter. Like right? maybe like 12 to 14 pages. So it's okay. pretty quick um, and it doesn't take a lot of time to to record. So what I mean by flash, flash fiction is like you don't have a lot of setup time. You right. don't have a lot. 
or like a short play actually is probably, you know, it's what it's closest yeah. to. Cause really it's a yeah. radio play. Well, I mean, it's, it's also, um, what was I going to say? Uh, because it's mainly audio, you can, and the premise is already established, you know, it's yeah, zombies. The run. premise, Boom. the world is there, you know, people, the characters are, are more or less established, but you still want people to be able to jump in at any time and mm. sort of understand what's going on. So it's been a really great experience to learn about, to get better as a script writer, to get better as a descriptive writer, because it's audio. So you have to make people feel like they're in a place. And for someone like me who can't see anything, it's been really great to really have to think about how do you describe running through this hillside in a way that other people can see, even if I can't. So it's, and just the writing team is amazing and, and extraordinarily strong as writers and, and creatives. So it's really fun to work collaboratively with them and come up with something, you know, greater than I think if any of us did it alone, except maybe Naomi, cause she's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing, do you guys have like, um, like snapshots of the countryside that would be a, is able even a place it's like a fictional place right it is i don't know it's like a it's a place out of time also this takes place in the near-ish future so you know yeah but zombies I, I, are not among us right now that i know of <laughs> what damn i know I thought, I thought that was non-fiction such a disappointment um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh i guess my my next question would be, so have you played any, do you play games, uh, other games to sort of glean how they wrote something or do you, do you take pointers from that or? I do because, uh, you know, zombies run is a game with a very simple kind of straightforward mechanic, which is the run is the big mechanic. Uh, but I also do some interactive fiction writing. Um, so like, think like if you like brought up a game and you're like, what do you want to do? Go through door A or B, like kind of choice based. So you're clicking choices. Mm -hmm. um, and to really think about those, a lot of times I play games to see how do they handle dialogue? How do they handle uh, conveying information from the very beginning of a game? I'm working on a piece right now that takes place in a city that has defunded the police where you are a private investigator working to sort of still inve investigate the remaining crimes that are there outside of uh, the justice department. And so when you're doing interactive fiction, you have to design the system in addition to just like the writing. So how do you want dialogue to work? Do people have multiple options? Can they choose their tone? You know, can they choose a Paragon versus a Renegade option? Like you might have in a mess, a mass effect or a Bioware game. You know, uh, how do people get from place to place? Is there a time mechanic? So anytime I'm investigating those, I'll play games that are similar. So if I'm like, do I want to do this as a time loop? I'll play time loop games. You know, I'll play something like an Elsinore um, or Sexy Brutale, which both have time elements. If I'm interested in world building through dialogue, I've actually been playing Outer Worlds recently, um, which did a great job and won the Nebula for, I believe, for video game writing this past mm -hmm. year or Outer Wilds which is both time loop and great uh, world building. They all are. All those games I mentioned have really brilliant writing. And so as you're playing, like part of it's like, you know how they say when you're going to write something, like if you want to write a novel, read a lot of novels. If you're going to mm -hmm. write a novella, read a lot of novellas. When you want to write a game, if you play a lot of games, I think it also just gets you into the mindset of how games deliver their content. And then when you're writing, it kind of, you can draw on that a little not naturally, but a little more easily. And you don't have to think about it as much. Yeah, I could see that. 
So it, it becomes like the water you're swimming in, so to speak. Exactly. So I'm not necessarily taking notes like, oh, they did this. I'm more like, oh, that was really cool. Like sometimes when something happens or let me see what it feels like that these types of games have in common. Like, let me play a bunch of detective games since I'm writing one that's a detective game to see like what different people are doing and how they're, you know, how they're portraying the detective. Is it a set character? Or is it one you determine yourself? Things like that, just to see what's what's out there and learn from it. Right. Have you? I guess my question here, because that sounds amazing, uh, <laughs> I do want to find out about this. Like as soon as that game's available, I want to go play it because yes, defund the police. Why not? Yes. Um, but also, um, I believe Disco Elysium has a similar type of idea. Uh, you're not a cop. You're more of an in, like a private investigator or an investigator for the state or something like that. Yeah. Have you played that? So I've played a little bit of Disco Elysium. There's, it's very, um, Disco Elysium makes really strong choices for the world. It's very stark. There's some harsh, um, homophobic language early on that threw me out of the game a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because that's just not my thing. Um, I know why they did it. I understood it as a, as a choice and I, I don't think it was bad writing at all. Um, but it threw me out a little bit, but it's on my list of like games I'd like to go back to and mm -hmm. investigate further. And I am really interested in the way that they kind of, you, you start that game, not really knowing much about yourself, which I think is a really interesting way to get across, to put the determining of your character in the player's hands without necessarily going to like, I mean, I think there is a startup screen, but without like within the world of the game, they work the character building into the world of the game because you don't remember who you are. So you get to decide what you remember as it goes. And that shapes who your character is, which I think is a really cool way to deal with that kind of how much do you want to put the character building in the player's hands, you know, and how much do you want to keep it in the, in the writer's hands or in the, the developers and creators designers hands. Right. Well, I mean, and I, I think that that speaks to like uh, the, the, the idea of, See, that works well in a game because mainly in a game, uh, as I understand it at least, you at least have the illusion of agency in the character because you're playing the character. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're like the homunculus that's driving the character around in his little head. Um, and, and that helps you sort of see that the character has agency and you're making the choices for the character and so on. So that's, that's a, a – that's I haven't played it myself. I just have it sort of bookmarked that one of these days when I when I actually have time to play <laughs> computer games and not console games, <laughs> or if it ever comes to console, I'll, I'll try it out for sure. But uh, it, it just sounds fascinating to me. Um, is there any so ha, since you have done a couple of interactive fiction games, ha, did you play a lot of? older interactive fiction or, or more recent stuff or what did you do to prepare for that i played a little bit of recent stuff uh there are some interactive fiction competitions that happen every year um i have comp is one spring thing i think it's called is the other one and so i played some of the games that had scored highly there mm -hmm. um i also played a bunch of emily short games she is a person who writes a lot about game mechanics and in a really really smart way if you're interested at all in game the how game mechanics work especially in an interactive fiction sense she's a great person to read up her she has a blog and so i read a bunch of i i looked at like how she talked about it and i played some of the games that she'd written 
and was like, oh, I see how that now works in context. So uh, it was really fun to to dip my toe in. There's These games are being turned out all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you can never play them all, but I like to play indie games also that you're, where you really feel like also when you're buying them, you're supporting the creator really directly, which is great. And interactive fiction is usually often a, a single person shop. One person is writing it, designing it, et cetera, versus a disco Elysium or where it's going to be a larger team under, you know, in a studio, most likely. Right, right. All right. And I will so, say I mean, that despite all these things that I'm saying, I am no expert. So if any games people are listening to this and are like, you are completely wrong. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, it's you got more expertise than I do, and probably, <laughs> probably more than than some of our listeners. Not to put them down or anything like that, That's but right. just simply like, more than yeah, some, probably less more than, than others. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, yeah, we're not looking for you know. No worries. Uh, so in in this case, um, oh, have you? Uh, by the way, now this has become like my new thing. Uh, are you playing Hades at all? I'm not, and everyone is telling me to play Hades, <laughs> but I, I'm very behind. Like, it takes me a minute. Like, The Outer Worlds was big, like, a year ago or so, yeah. and I'm just on it now because I do, a lot of times, detour into games that are specifically addressing things I'm interested in uh, as, mm-hmm. a, as a writer, designer, person. But everyone is telling me about it, and so probably two years from now, when everyone has moved on, I'll be like, Hades and Among Us. Have you heard? And they'll be like, I'll be like, also Animal Crossing. That's a thing. They'll be like, you fool. We've all moved on. <laughs> that's the thing about games. Like, you know, you can play them, you know, as long as the, they don't, the console doesn't, you know, shrivel up and die. Or your computer doesn't die. You're, you're and, playing whatever. And you, yeah. And even then there's emulators later on. So. Very true. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it, it's all good. I, I just wanted, uh, like, if you were playing it, I, I, I wanted to hear, to hear your input on the writing there because I think that the writing there is really good in the sense that it just, uh, for me at least, it keeps me coming back to it because it's like little nuggets, just little breadcrumbs dropped and and somehow, you know, I, I, I've i said it before and I'll say it again, you know, I feel like the story elements of it are skinner boxing me into continuing to play because I want to find out what happens next. That's interesting. That's something I have not heard people say, like, not that I didn't think it had good writing, but I feel like on Twitter, all I see are people thirsting over these various gods being hot. So it's it's good to hear well, there's and like people be like the combat, the hot right. people. So the writing is a good thing. I can add a third element to things to look forward to when I yeah. finally do play it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and to be honest, I, I I'd also mentioned that you know it's very queer and like you know uh, Zagreus, who's the the character you're playing, you know, has many boy and girlfriends and other things that he's interested in. So it's all good. He's moving it up my list. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's really fun. But anyway, uh, let me not turn this into yet another episode about Hades. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> So, um, what was I going to say? So let me, let's go back to the, perhaps to the beginning, if we will, right? Mm, Um, A very good place to start. Yeah. Well, you know, given that I like to tell stories out of order, this seems appropriate, right? (laughs) Middle of the podcast, I'm going back to the beginning. No, that's right. Also, that's just a sound of music reference for no reason. (laughs) <laughs> ah, there you go. That's another that I have never seen the sound of music. I oh, wow. 
I am very sadly lacking in that regard. That's all right. You have time. It, it's all right. Yeah. It, it'll be there. It's still there. It will be there. Um, so what exactly got you into writing? Like what, what, let me ask you this. What, what did you read that got you into sci-fi or fantasy or, or horror or what have you? So I, the first thing that I can remember reading, um, and my memory isn't the best, but is actually Nine Tomorrows, which is a collection of short stories by Isaac Asimov. And mm. my grandfather, who sadly passed away when I was much, much younger, but he was like really like ahead of his time. Like he had like a computer when not a lot of people had computers. And I used to go to his, uh, when we would visit them and I would play and like try to program in basic, obviously mm -hmm. could tell that I would need these skills for my game writing in the future. Um, and I, uh, and I found that book on his shelf and I read it and I loved it because I like puzzles and I like figuring things out. I think that's part of why I like both prose writing and game interactive writing is like putting the puzzle pieces together. And so and those stories are very like lighter on character, heavier on concept. And so I read mm -hmm. those and I was like, this is so cool. Um, and I don't know. I think my first fantasy was probably Piers Anthony. Ooh. Uh, yeah. The one Have where the gods are real. Or like the uh, concepts of life are real war. Oh, you're talking about the, the intimate, the uh, incarnations of immortality. Yes, though. incarnations of immortality series. Yes. And this other one where there were like a magic world and a science world that like overlapped each other. Phase, I think. Yeah, was, that was, yeah. That was out of phase or the phase out of the blue adept novels. Yeah, the blue uh, adept, the phase. Yeah, that's right. That that series. Um, and yeah, I read those too. <laughs> those were like you know I think what I really learned uh, from that is that, you know, in the, you know, not to spoil it, those books have been out for a long time, but, you know, close your spoilers, ears here. Yeah. Spoiler spoilers alert. for a 30-year-old 30, 30 book. Uh -huh. <laughs> but in the Incarnations of Immortality, like, they're all fighting evil, like, the whole time. And then the sixth book, I believe, in the series is evil, is evil's perspective. And mm -hmm. it really made me think about, like, how perspective works in fiction and that who you give the story to, it, like, affects the way it's told, which, like, seems not like the most brilliant thought ever, but I was young. So I, I really like that. I think it affects the way that I write even now is the idea that you get really into one character's head. Like you were talking, what we were talking about earlier and then whatever their journey and their story is, they believe in that a hundred percent, even if nobody else does, even if they're causing harm, no matter what's happening. Like, and so I, I really, I feel like that was a big thing for me that I learned fantasy wise. And I think science fiction wise, like I said, the Asimov stories really made me think, oh, science fiction is a way to kind of puzzle around with like, why is the world the way it is? And, mm -hmm. you know, when there are parts of the world that I don't like, maybe it could be different. And that's a really fun thing to think about. So, Right. I mean, and, and to your point uh, regarding points of view, I just remembered this because um, each one of those Incarnation of Mortality books had that sequence where they had to go ask uh, nature for um, – for like an answer to something mm. and it's and it sort of mimicked the same sort of structure of like the xanth books where you, you had to go to magician humphrey's castle and there was a bunch of challenges to get there before you got the answer but in and th this is something that sort of goes back to what you were saying when you went to go visit nature for to figure to ask your question 
it was basically a time loop. You would run into previous versions of yourself on the same path. Oh, yeah. And, and then it would you would end up like, oh, this guy on the bicycle. And it's, oh, wait, it's me. Why was I driving in the middle of the road on a bicycle and now I'm in a car? Why? Yeah. And- <laughs> I forgot about that. I was yeah. really, there was some really interesting it's been a long time since I've since I've picked up a Fierce Anthony, but um uh, I yeah. yeah. But I feel like it had its place in my um in my upbringing or like my sort of knowledge building as a as a writer and as a reader, because I was a reader way before I was a writer. Like I used to write things in my notebooks and I wrote stories for my sisters here and there, but, mm-hmm. um, and I was even a playwriting major in college, uh, which I'm, I don't, anyway, I've never written a play since I graduated, but that was fun. <laughs> um, I like to think I draw on it when I do my script writing for zombies or on like all that playwriting dialogue stuff comes back to me, but <laughs> hopefully, but, um, I, you know, I think I didn't really try to write for publication until like, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, five years ago. So, uh, you know, I'm a late bloomer as a, like, writing for a purpose of, like, other people reading it. So I had, like, all this stuff read by the time (laughs) I, like, actually decided to be like, oh, maybe I could do this a little bit myself and actually people could see it and it wouldn't just be random things I have in, like, my notebooks for no reason. Right, right. And and I think, to be honest with you, this is sounding very familiar. (laughs) Like I had a bunch of like, and and that's the thing. I think I wanted to write novels because that's what, you know, you read novels, you want to write novels, right? But you don't know how to do it. I still don't know how to do it, to be honest with you. (laughs) You and me both. Yeah. I, one of these days I'll figure it out or won't, I don't know. I'll I'll have to get writing again. Yeah. But, but like, I remember like writing, scribbling out like the chapter and you'd put down like very proudly a chapter one and like come up with a chapter name and start writing and nothing's fucking happening. (laughs) Like in, in retrospect, I'm like, Oh buddy, (laughs) nothing's happening in that chapter. You, You should throw just, this is a good practice, but that's not that's not going into anything right now. <laughs> that reminds me of NaNoWriMo. So I think before I actually really started to try to really write, I did NaNoWriMo. I think it was mm-hmm. like around that same time. Like that was obviously me trying to like, the world was telling me, hmm, maybe you want to write some stuff. So I did this NaNo, which I thought was like, oh, so brilliant. I don't even remember the concept now. Um, and when I went back and read it, it was like a plot summary. Like there was no actual... Like, it was literally just like, and then they go here, and then they go there, and then that happens, and then this happens. It was written, like, the way a a summary of a television show is written for, like, (laughs) but, like, for, like, five seasons. But nothing, but you never get any sense of, like, what they are. Like a a story story. I felt there was a story at the time, and, in fact, I have this very clear memory of my character one of my main characters turn out to like murder the other it's very me murder someone in the end and so but i didn't expect it i had not layered it in except i guess this is my subconscious so i was writing that section i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh he's a murderer oh he's gonna murder her like and it was so exciting like i was like this is amazing and then i went back and was like oh i accidentally like layered in how he wanted to murder her in chapter one and like it it was this joyful moment that really made me excited about how I can murder more people in future stories with better writing technique. <laughs> Aaron Roberts, imaginary person murderer. So um, 
in, in this case, uh, how far did you get? Like, how many words did you get down? Like 50,000 at one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when it. Oh, ends, wow. Like, okay. you know how they're like, you have to get 50,000. I think I did yeah, 50,000, yeah. ended the next sentence, and was like, and then they all went home to summer camp. I don't know, whatever thing. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Well, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, it sounds like what you had there is basically an outline to a, <laughs> to it was, a novel. It was an outline to a bad, uh, not great novel that I've never looked at since. I looked at it once and was like, oh, no. Yeah, I, I honestly- short story land. <laughs> this, yeah, is, I, this is more my speed. I, I, I have given up on NaNoWriMo because I just cannot, I cannot turn off like the editor. It just does not happen. But, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, like basically I've, I've determined that trying to do NaNoWriMo, for me at least, is basically trying to punish me into, yeah, see how much, see how much you suck. You can't even do a thousand words today. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow when you have 2,000. I was like, oh God. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, it's, a, that's a way to freeze up real nice. It's, it's one of those things like it, it works when it, it was really great for me in the moment it was. And now it like, I just have too much going on and. It, it doesn't work as a motivator for me. I think it gives me more of that guilt feeling like you're talking about that then guilt is a, not the best writing motivator for me anyway. Mm -hmm, uh, right. But it's like, it gets back to that whole, like everyone's process is different and like, you got to learn what works for you, which is hard. Right. Really, really hard. So in that case, was there any specific um, like work that you read that said to you, Aaron, you like to write horror. No, I, so I don't think <laughs> I do write horror, but I do not write things purposefully to be horror. I just write things and then other people think they're scary. So I will be like, oh. I'll be like in this one, a baby dies. And they'll be like, that's horrible. I'll be like, yes, you're right. That is horrible. I think. <laughs> and I know that makes me sound possibly very, I don't mean to be flippant, but I think because of my inability to visualize, I can think of things and it doesn't have the same impact mm, on me okay. personally that it would a reader who's actually envisioning these horrible things happening. So it's easy for me to like move my characters towards, you know, bad ends without it feeling so bad for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just like, well, that's where their story, like, if you take this character to their logical conclusion, like this is the way it's going to go. Um, and then people will be like, this is so dark. And I'm like, Oh, I mean, I, I mean, if I look at the elements of it, that is true, but I did not <laughs> intend it that way. I just was writing. A, I was just like, wouldn't it be interesting if X and then like, Ooh, Y happened. And a, a good example of this is uh, last year I was asked to participate in this like art book where like different photographs were matched with stories. And so there was like a picture of two women like in the sand. It basically looked like an old photograph of two women standing in the sand and there was like a planet behind them. Mm. It's really nice, really great work. And I was like, well, what can I write about this? And I ended up writing about like murder sand, like a, like a place where the sand is filled with diamond shards that like cut your skin off and murder you. Uh, <laughs> oh my well now <laughs> popular vacation spot. I see. Exactly. Oh my God. That's the thing. It is a tourist destination in my story. It's <laughs> people visit it because the sands are really pretty, but mm -hmm, the sands right. are actually made up of like the dead bodies of all the people who actually live there. Because I went on a cruise and I was, I think I was, the the power dynamic between tourists and the people who live in like cruise locations 
is -hmm. very stark. And it really made me think about like, well, what does that look like? And how can I kind of put that in a story? So, but of course I added murder sand. There's nothing in that photo that says murder sand, but that's just where my brain is <laughs> as a brain. I see. So, so essentially you, you just have Wednesday Adams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. just see, like, you just see dark stuff everywhere. It's true. You know? I'm trying to change, not change, but I think one of the things that's interesting about this year um, is I'm trying to think more about systems and how systems can be different and how the world can be a better place through like, you know, working together. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to like ease myself out of the, the murder sand impulses a little bit. Uh, we'll see how that, how that actually uh, turns out, but well, you know, who knows may, why may, I'm this way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I will say horror wise, just like, I don't know if it's a formative in the way that like, it made me think I could write horror, but I, I always love, um, I read the lottery, the story of the lottery mm-hmm, when right. I was in high school and I freaking still one of my favorite stories of that and the story ponies by kids Johnson are probably my two oh. favorite short fiction. Wow. If that tells you anything about me, um, ponies two favorite so pieces. Good. Oh it's my God. Right. Everyone stop what you're doing. Wait, no, finish this. Then stop what you're doing. Read ponies. It's only like a thousand words. It's, it's like 2000. It's like a little bit less than 2000 words. Yeah. I think yeah. you can read it in a, in a, in a little, in a sitting. Yeah. In a sitting. So I, that I, I really love those. And I also love, uh, the, we have, we have always lived in the castle. Um, uh, novel. Yeah, yeah. Called. Uh, so right. And why am I feel like I'm getting that wrong now? <laughs> no, I, no, you're right. Yeah. So we've always lived in the castle. So those are like at least inspire me. Um, when I think about like really well done, I don't even know if those would be considered horror, but they're dark. Uh, all those story, those two stories and that book are both dark in the in mm-hmm. their. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Um... If I remember correctly, the um, the main character oh shit I forgot her name um, in in we have always lived in the castle doesn't she like poison somebody it's like okay I mean I does she I mean you know read yourself and find out uh, but uh, yeah it's uh, it's not a great there's definitely like a dead family from the very beginning of that uh, story. And and uh, and a main character whose whose way of seeing the world is really really different than the way that that uh, we see the world. I think very early on she like pictures somebody di- who's like rude to her dying, and she's mm. a little kid. And so why does she think that way? You know, but it gives you a really good sense of what you're playing with, like what you're reading, and and really right. brings you into the world as well. She's a really great book. I recommend anytime. Yes. I mean, we've, uh, here at Potside Picnic, we've, I think we've covered, uh, that one and, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. I was going to ask you, did you ever see, um, the Netflix, uh, Haunting of Hill House? So much did not. (laughs) (laughs) Again, because you didn't want want to. (laughs) Because I'm afraid. And I was like, that is a scary book. It will be a scary movie, uh, or series. So, uh, one day I will, you know, I don't know. Hop up on some <laughs> adrenaline and watch all of these or something. Yeah. Well, or, you know, just start at ten in the ten in the morning. And <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't I don't get worried afterwards. It's just the enduring that it like mm. freaks me out. Once once it's over, like it's over. So I yeah. should remember that and think you could just <laughs> if you just get through it, you'll be okay. Like I like to watch true crime stuff all the time, and if that stuff doesn't, because every true crime show is like 
Aaron, a woman like you, in a house like yours, was having an evening just like this, when murder, so it's very, like, <laughs> like that's more unnerving, because that's real. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, I, I guess I have um, maybe one more question. Sure, and I apologize uh, to poor listeners, there's much no- more murder than I intended. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that spices it up. I think, um, (laughs) all these imaginary people that you're murdering here. Um, so, uh, you mentioned that, uh, in for sour milk girls that actually came out of an exercise you were trying to do to figure out a character's voice for a novella you were writing. Did you ever finish the novella or? I did not though. It's still, uh, I'm actually, this is actually a great. So it's segue you didn't even know was real. Um, oh, cool. I'm actually working on another short story featuring the main character from Sour Milk, Girl, Sour Milk Girl's Ghost now. So I am basically trying to create, I think, eventually, uh, almost like a novella of stories, possibly. Mm. Um, or maybe I'll do all that and a novella as well. But I'm... I'm working on another story that's a little further along in her life. Um, mm-hmm. and that brings her together with a character from an interactive fiction piece, uh, that I did for sub Q called thanks for the memories. So okay. the two main characters from those two works sort of intersect in this one, uh, which is titled currently fistfuls of joy. And okay. <laughs> so that's, uh, so that thing is not yet written, but um, I still love this world, which is one in where in which memory is a commodity. And so you can kind of buy and sell and trade and steal and, you know, implant memories. And because I'm me, I always wonder whenever I'm creating a culture or a system, who is hurt by this? Who is in pain here? And what mm-hmm. does that pain drive them to? And a lot of the the kind of the darkness or the, murder that's in my stories really comes out of the pain that comes from being marginalized in a culture that benefits some and not others, which Mm -hmm. "Hmm, where could that come from in life? Mm. But I personally do not murder people, but you know, if I, I like to see like what happens when people are pushed to their limits. And I always say, at least to myself that in a lot of my stories, the, the world, the culture is the true antagonist. And this particular memory universe is such an interesting antagonist to me. And also as somebody, because I can't visualize things, who has a really bad memory, because I can't think, oh, I can imagine what it was like 10 years ago. I find memory really, really fascinating. And so mm. I, I like to play around with it and think about what it would be like if I could like consume other people's memories or, you know, what would that, how would that change the way I saw the world? And so I just kind of, it's an idea I've had for a while, but I just kind of restarted this story recently um, because I was binge watching shows and I thought, well, let's open with this character, a ghost, like binge watching, binge experiencing memories. Like, what is it like to binge watch memory? Like, that's so much more present than something you're going to see on Netflix. So, like, what is that like if you're just like, if you've, you know got all these memories that aren't yours that you've like that you can like run through like what form of escapism is that and like how tempting and exciting is that as an actual experience so well it's also i mean to be honest with you that's what we read for too right to live other lives exactly 
So I mean, if you have that directly as a as sort of like text in your in your story, uh, I don't know what that says, but it's interesting. It's very meta. <laughs> <laughs> not but, entirely sure. Yeah, but yeah, it's like if you're mainlining, what if you could mainline that experience like in an even more visceral way? You know, I then you could, then you can even by reading. What would that be like? And, you know, what might that drive you towards? You know, what, why might you want to get lost in that? You know, so that's, that's some of the things that I'm thinking about right now as I like literally two pages into this story yeah. right now, but <laughs> I will you, know you, more <laughs> in future. You just, you just reminded me of one of the one of the jokes that I I thought about, like watching the Matrix. You know, the sequence where they plug in plug in a, a cartridge into Neo's head, and he's like, mm. he wakes up and he's like, I know kung fu, but like <laughs> instead of instead of kung fu, it'd be like something that is just a, a normal everyday trade. You know, like wakes up, and he's like, I know bookkeeping. Yeah, you're like what, what? What does that do for me right now, buddy? <laughs> yeah, speaking of, we, I know we were talking about Star Trek like way at the beginning of this. I actually was doing a, like a Star Trek uh, Voyager rewatch. Uh, I've been doing for ever. Uh, I come and go from it, and one of the uh, episodes that I found really, really interesting was one in which people could actually trade memories. Like that was part of this species could do. And one of the things there's a, a small moment in this much larger episode where one person teaches another person how to play their local instrument by giving her every memory of having practiced that instrument so he's like i will convey unto you like 10 years of practice memories like a montage like you went through a training montage and now <laughs> you can actually use this instrument and so i i think that's really so the way i think about this in my particular universe is like well then why doesn't somebody just pay someone to go take all their lessons so they don't ever have to do anything and then say, okay, great. I'll give you a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or however many and like go take six years of piano lessons and then come and give them to me. And right. meanwhile, right. I'll do what I want. And like, what does that create in terms of an, an, an economy? And how does that actually deal with the differences between the haves and the have nots where it even becomes the do's and the benefits from the doing? Right. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, well, I just dropped that right at the end of the, uh, at the end of the episode, huh? All right. I'll, I see what you did there, but in any case, um, this idea amongst many other great ideas, where can we, where would we be able to find, um, stories sure. and other stuff from you? Um, the best place to see, because I am definitely updating it. No, I actually am. Uh, you can always go to my website, writingwonder.com. Uh, like writing as in the act, wonder as in sense of.com. And I often uh, sometimes tweet um, at Narelle, N-I-R-E-L-E, which is L Aaron backwards for no reason. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> I realize that that's not even correct <laughs> in Spanish, but whatever. Um, it should be La Aaron, but whatever. I was a child when I came up with this. So uh, that's where you can sort of find what I'm doing. And I'm really excited uh, in the next you know, few months to have this interactive fiction piece that I was talking about earlier out. I'm actually in, on a Kickstarter right now, which hopefully um, will fund my stretch goal where I get to write an erotic uh, interactive fiction. I'm writing about a sex chat bot who's trying to pass the Turing test. Super fun. Ooh la la. <laughs> And uh, this story and other ones that I'm sort of I'm working on. So 
it, I think uh, we talked about this a little bit before the before we started recording, but this has been a an interesting year, and I think for me, it's been a year a lot about learning more about myself and the world, and thinking about what I want to write and how I want to what I want to put out there. And now, just now, I feel like I'm benefiting from that and like really full speed ahead. So I'm super excited about what the next year or so will will bring from from my creative process, whether or not it'll benefit any of y'all. I don't know, but at least I'm really enjoying feeling like I'm back up in the saddle. Yeah. I mean, and any writing is never wasted time. It's Very you know, true. even if you, even if you don't use it, you know, you, you, you learn something. My cat enjoys all of my throwaway stories. <laughs> I can only imagine, <laughs> but okay. So in that case, um, if that's all you have, or you don't have any questions for me or anything like that. I mean, I could give you a whole interview about like how <laughs> how you're Holy. doing, how's your writing, what are you excited about? <laughs> like, tell me everything. Well, you know, maybe maybe for another episode, we could always invite you back. Oh, I would love to come back. I love to chat. I'll host Excellent. you, and then we can hear all about all the awesome things you're doing. That sounds sounds fun. good. A reverse interview, even. Yes, uh, I would love to do see, that. That's a great. See, I'm going to jot that down because that's actually a, a great, a great idea. Let's do a reverse. And I've interview. read like all your stuff. I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, like uh-oh. good questions. Like, why okay. are you such a genius? How did you think of this awesomeness? <laughs> oh come on now! You're, you're going to make me. You're, you're going to make me blush now. <laughs> all right. So in that case, uh, before I blush any further at all this flattery uh i'll bid you all adieu and to you too aaron thanks for coming on thank you so much for having me i really had a blast all right you have a great time everyone see you later